Good morning, Edinburgh. Good to be here with you this morning. Hey, if you're a guest with us, I want to give you also a warm welcome if you're watching online. Uh, glad you are tuned in. Way to go, everybody, making it to church uh, this morning. Uh, we are in a series right now called The Brand New You, and um, through the rest of summer, we're going to be studying Romans 6 through 8. And uh, I thought, how cool would it be if, as a church, we read through the book of Romans together? The book of Romans has been called the Mount Everest of, uh, of the New Testament because it is so deep and just packed with meaning. Uh, it, it's one of the toughest climbs we can make as Christians uh, to study, but it can be so fruitful for our lives. And so we've put together a six-week reading plan uh, on this bookmark. You can also find it on our homepage on the church website. But I encourage you um, to stop by the tables that are out by the pillars, pick up one of these bookmarks, and maybe grab a friend. And maybe you work through the book of Romans together. We've put two questions on here. We want you to ask yourself as you're reading through the book, what is God teaching you and what are you going to do about it? How can you apply it to your life? How cool would that be if we're having discussions about Romans uh, together as a community through the rest of this summer? We are studying chapters 6 through 8, and we picked these chapters because they are just so packed with meaning for our lives. The Apostle Paul wrote this about 30 years after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And he wanted to help the, the, the Christians in Rome to understand what the Christian faith is and to live it out on a daily basis. The Bible teaches that when we become believers, we become a new creation. And, and, and it, Paul says elsewhere that the old life is gone. But I've often struggled with the question, if the old life is gone, why do I still struggle with sin? Why do I still have sin in my life? Well, look at what Paul says uh, as we pick it up in Romans 6.18. He says, you have been set free from sin. It certainly doesn't feel that way or seem that way. Just ask my wife or my kids or those that I work with. I still have sin like pride and anger and all kinds of other things, it seems, in my life that I still struggle and battle with on a daily basis. In fact, some of these sins, I'm not even always aware that they're there. About a year ago, uh, I lost my wedding ring, and I couldn't find it anywhere. And I thought maybe... I had put it accidentally in the trash can. That Maybe it slipped off my fingers, something like that, ended up in the trash. So in this last-ditch effort, I start rooting through the trash, but I can't find it. And so then I start thinking, well, maybe it's out at the end of the driveway in the big trash can. And so maybe I need to go search for it in there. Problem was, the, our trash company was going to be there any moment, and so I know I didn't have a lot of time. So I, I, I dash out there, I tip the big trash can over on its side, and I mean, I'm halfway up in this thing. Coffee grounds all over me, all kinds of other stuff. I don't know what it is. And there was a smell, as you can imagine. But here's the interesting thing. As I was rooting around <laughs> in that trash can, eventually I stopped smelling it. Now, after a while, I wasn't smelling 
the trash anymore. And then Danielle yelled out from the upstairs window, hey, I found your ring. It was behind the dresser. So I get out of the trash can. Normally I would have gone and showered up, but I had a lot of stuff I had to get done that day. And so I thought, you know, it's not a big deal. I'll just go, you know, hit these errands up. Then I'll go home and shower. So I go to the grocery store to grab something. And um, I'm there looking at this item when there was this lady next to me. And I mean, out of the corner of my eye, I can see her do this. I can see her do that. And she's looking at peanut butter. And I mean, she moves all the way from the creamy past the crunchy. All right. She's now looking at something I don't even think she came to shop for, just hoping that I'm going to leave. But I'm like, as I walk away, I don't think I smell all that bad. Then I get home, and the first thing Danielle says to me is, you stink. And I thought, maybe I stink. Okay, I'll take her word for it. But I knew I stunk when my two-year-old Callie at the time said, Dad, you stink. Listen, if your wife tells you you stink, you might stink. If your two-year-old tells you you stink, you know you stink. But the crazy part is, I had forgotten all about it. I didn't smell it anymore. My question for us this morning is, how is your life smelling these days? I know in my life there's still a lingering smell, pride, selfishness, anger, all kinds of other sins that I deal with. As believers, the Bible says that the old is gone and the new has come, but what does the Apostle Paul mean by that exactly? Let me share with us four things that are gone when we put our faith in Jesus. First, separation from God is gone. Ephesians 2.12 says this, At one time you were separated from God. Before Christ, we were separated from God. That's what the Bible teaches. But then Paul goes on to say, In Christ, we now have peace with God. We're in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And so we are no longer separated from God. That is gone. What is also gone is the penalty from sin. The penalty from sin is gone. One of our core beliefs here at Edinburgh Church is something called substitutionary atonement. It's got that word substitute in it. It's this idea that Jesus, he became our substitute for us. And then atonement means to pay the penalty of. Jesus is the substitute who paid the penalty for our sins. It's not that the penalty hasn't been paid out. The penalty has been paid out for our sin. It's just, who is that penalty going to be paid for? In Christ, when we put our faith in Christ, that penalty is paid in Jesus Christ so that you and I can be off the hook. We don't ever have to worry about the penalty of sin again if we put our faith in Jesus. But that doesn't mean we just go around and live in sin now that the penalty's gone. Third thing that's gone in our life is bondage to sin. You and I don't have to be slaves to sin. We don't have to let it rule over our lives. Paul says this in, in Romans 6.6. 6. He says, our old self was crucified with him so that we should no longer be slaves to sin. And we're going to talk more about that this morning. Fourth thing that's gone, eternal death. 
In verse 5 of Romans 6, he says, If we have been united with him in his death, we will certainly be united with him in his resurrection. Through faith, we become one with Christ. And if Christ has been raised from the dead, we know we too will be raised as well. Here's what isn't gone in our lives. Our tendency to sin. You know, even as believers in Jesus, that old self is still there. We still have this tendency in our lives to go against the good, perfect will of God for our, our lives. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. We have something called a sin nature. The, the Bible teaches we have a sin nature. We have this, this propensity to go against God's will for our life. It's something we're born with. Okay, We, we come out of the chute born bad. Culture says we are generally good. The Bible says God loves us and we are made in his image, but we are born bad with this sin nature. Those of you who have children, I have to tell you, we come out of the chute with this sin nature. Okay, but we as Christians can start fighting against sin in our lives. That's the good news. Paul goes on to say this in Romans 6.12, don't let sin control the way you live. You don't have to let it control your life. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. It doesn't mean you're going to be sinless. The Bible says we won't in this life, not until heaven. But you can start to sin less to avoid the destruction that sin brings into our lives. He says don't give in to its desires. In Christ, we have a new power to help us start fighting and battling against those desires in us, those sinful desires. Uh, Two weeks ago, Danielle and I went up to Duluth. We love going up to Duluth when we can and just spending some time on the the North Shore. We like to stay in Canal Park if we can, and there's this trail in in Canal Park. It's kind of a dirt path. Uh, They have horses and stuff like that. People will jog on it as well. And one of the things that I do on this path when we walk it is I look for rocks to collect. Okay, I like to collect these rocks because I I have a flower bed, a a rock bed in the back of our house. I actually use the same rock from Duluth because I like the the rock so much. So I love looking for rocks and and I like to put them in a bag and keep them and bring them home. But it drives my wife crazy. She hates the fact that I sit there and look and search for these rocks, and we kind of have this standing debate. You know, we know it doesn't, the rocks don't belong to the hotel, but she argues that the rocks belong to the city of Duluth. I argue they belong to God, okay, and that they're mine for the taking. And by the way, they don't want these rocks on the path. So if I come across the rock, I take the rock. Now, my wife likes to kind of follow the rules. I kind of like him a little more. No, just take the rocks. But it kind of makes her angry as I collect these rocks and, and put them in my bag. In fact, last time I was doing that, she said, what do you think God thinks about this? I said, I don't think God really cares. And she got furious, which, of course, I only thought was funny. And then she said, you are a liar. You know deep down, God doesn't want you stealing these rocks from the city of Duluth. I said, I really don't think he cares. And she said, you'll see. I don't know what that meant. Okay? I'm still waiting to see what that means. But it sounded like a threat. (laughs) But my point is, 
my eye is drawn to these rocks. Like, I just, I'm looking for them. I, I, I just, I see it. There's, there's a rock there. My head, it's like it's on a swivel, and it sees it. And I just wonder, what is that rock in your life? What is that sin issue in your life that you are just, nat- you're just drawn to it? You, you, you see it, and it's just that desire in you. We probably all have one or two or a few sins in our life we just tend to be drawn to. What is that in your life? Here, Paul's saying, don't, don't let those things control the way you live your life. Now, he goes on in verse 16 to say this, don't you know that you are a slave to the one you obey? Whether you are a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you are a slave to obedience that leads to life. Here's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He's saying, you and I are slaves. A slave has a master. A slave is not free to do whatever they want to do. They are bound to their master. And he is saying, you are either a slave to sin and death, or you are a slave to obedience and life. He's saying, there is no middle ground here. Now, I want to give us a list of just, of sin. Okay, this is one that the Apostle Paul gives us in Galatians 5. It's just kind of a, you know, just a few sins. It's just a, it's a, it's a list. It doesn't, it's not exhaustive. But what's interesting is he starts it off saying these, the sins of, of the sinful nature, the acts of the sinful nature, they are obvious to us. And maybe some of us have never heard what some of these sins that Paul lists are. He starts out with this one, sexual immorality. At the very least, sexual immorality is sex before marriage, sex outside of the bounds of marriage. He starts off with that one. He says, impure thoughts, hostility, just being hostile, quarreling, just quarreling with everyone, jealousy, lying, outbursts of anger, drunkenness, wild parties, strife. Not even quite sure what he means by strife. I think it's just that, ah, I'm just, I'm just mad. I'm just upset with it. I'm just strifeful. It's all this stuff going on in my life. I'm strife. And this is the list he gives, partial list of sin. But then he also goes on to give us this list of what obedience in life looks like. Some of you know this list. He mentions things like love, joy, and peace. By the way, anybody just need a little more joy in their life this morning? A little more peace, kindness, happiness, could add that to the list. The Bible just translates this blessed, but it's the idea of happiness. Self-control, generosity, added a few more that are from other places in the Bible, relational wholeness, just having healthy relationships in our life, financial peace. Is when we're not trying to keep up with the Joneses and we're just content. It doesn't mean our finances are going to be perfect, but we can have a little more financial peace and just put contented living in there as well. Okay. Now, here's what many of us do. We, we see this list and we say, you know, I certainly don't want to be on the left you know, side, this left column here. I don't want to be a slave to these things. But what many people do, what many of us do, is we say, but I also don't want to be a slave in the right column either, because I want to have a little fun. 
So we create this, this middle column, okay? And this column includes things like three nights in Vegas. Some of you are like, how did you know? The emotional affair. You know, it's not going all the way. It's just I'm just going to have a little fun at work. Soft porn. Third base. Not talking about baseball here. I'm talking to you who are dating. White lies. Once a month in church. I need church, but I don't want to be too committed. Just come once a month. Unresolved conflict. Heavily buzzed. I'm not going to get drunk, but I'm at home. Just drink a little more than I probably should. And many of us, we like to live in this middle column. But, I mean, if you've been a Christian for more than three years, you know if you try to live there, you inevitably slip into the left hand, the left column. You inevitably slip into sin and obedience. And here's the problem, friends, with the middle column. The middle is miserable. It is a miserable place to live. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you're trying to have a relationship with God, but you're still saying, no, I'm still going to be lustful, I'm still going to be greedy, I'm still going to be selfish, I'm still going to get back at those who hurt me, you are going to be a miserable, guilt-ridden soul. Now, if you're not a believer this morning, you probably don't care about this that much. At least you, 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 you probably don't feel a lot of guilt from these things because you don't have that God factor in your life. It, it's, it's killing you. It's killing your relationships, your, your integrity, hurting your family. But you probably don't feel a lot of guilt from these things. But if you are a Christian and you are trying to have that relationship with God but live in the middle, you are going to be one of the most conflicted, guilt-ridden people on the planet. It is just a miserable, miserable place to live, which just confirms what the Apostle Paul is saying. You are either going to be a slave to sin and death or life and obedience. It it is one or the other. Now, let's just say you choose to be a slave to life and obedience, obedience and life. Some of you might think, well, you know, that just doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun, but Just give me a second here. I would argue being a Christian is more fun. I would argue that being a Christian, having that relationship with God and experiencing the life that he wants to give us, it is more fun. As a Christian, you can still fish. You can still play golf. You can still hunt or do those things, those recreational things you like to do. It's just that you do them and you do not sin. You can still enjoy food. You can still go on vacations. You can still collect rocks in Duluth. All right? And stuff them in your wife's travel bag. And now my kids are even into this. And you can put them in your rock bed at home. If that's what's fun for you. You can still have fun. It's just that you do it without sinning. 
It means you've got to have some constraints in your life. It means as a believer, there are certain things you do not do, and there are certain places you do not go. There are certain things you are not free to do if you are a slave to Christ. And there are certain things you, places you are not free to go if you are a slave to Christ. But friends, here's what I've learned. When I try to live in that obedience in life column, what I find is that Jesus gives me life. He gives me, I can't even put it in words, he gives me himself, he gives me love, he gives me more of who he is. It's like my soul is open to receive more of who he is so that I have his blessing and his, his protection and I just sense his presence more in my life and I have that life in me which makes having fun even more fun because his life is in me. Friends, the middle is miserable. We have to make a choice. Paul says this in verse 20 through 21, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. I mean, you were free to go, do, consume, watch, indulge, free to do whatever you want. That's what he's saying here. For Christ, you can do, just do whatever you want. But what did you get from the things you're now ashamed of? He's saying, what was the result of that? Friends, the result is always death. Those things result in death in our life. Something in our life dies. I want to ask you the question, what in your life is dying? Relationship? Your joy? Your peace? Finances? What is in your life that's dying because he says the result of sin is always death? Which is why, friends, as believers, we, we have to have constraints in our life. Um, I've been getting into studying rock climbers lately. I've um, been watching some, some documentaries. I find it fascinating. I uh, came across Alex Honnold. Um, he's, he's called a free soloist. Um, he solos these, these mountains, these, some of the tallest mountains in the world, without using any rope. Things like the Half Dome in Yosemite, absolutely incredible, obviously a different breed. But then I, I came across somebody named Dan Osman, who kind of took free soloing to the next level. And what he would do is without even a parachute or a wingsuit or anything like that, he would climb these mountains without any ropes and then attach a rope to his belt, which would then be attached to another rope that he had detached across the rock face. And then he would just jump. And someone asked him, like, do you have a death wish? And, and he said, no, I just, I like to live my life without any constraints. But then I was reading that Dan Osmond jumped and his rope was frayed and it snapped and he fell to his death, leaving his four-year-old daughter behind. Because friends, when we try to live life without any constraints, it leads to death. 
Paul says in verse 20 and 21, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. You, you didn't have to have constraints in your life, even though you paid for it. He says, but what was the result of that kind of freedom? Those things result in death. And so the question is, what, what do we do <laughs> to start fighting back on sin? Those things that lead to death in our life. Well, we're going to tackle that more in depth next week. You've got to be here next week as we jump into the practicals, how you, how you start doing that. But I just want to kick it off by suggesting two things. First, you've you got to get out of the middle. If you've been trying to live in the middle, you've got to get out of the middle. Because you're going to be a miserable person, and it's inevitably you're going to slip into sin and death. The second thing we got to do is we got to choose who is going to be our master. Who, who are you truly going to make the master of your life? Romans 6.16, Paul says, don't you realize that whatever you choose to obey becomes your master? Is Jesus your master? If you're a believer this morning, is Jesus really your master? We make Jesus our master because when we do that, it helps start to free the grip of sin on our lives. And I, I've just started jogging recently, and I'm trying to get back in shape because, you know, they tell us when we're in shape, you know, we get strong. I'll let you judge that. <laughs> it's not doing too hot. I just started like a few weeks ago, and so I've been running. I don't even go very far. I go to like the end of our neighborhood, and, and I come back. Um, but, but I've been feeling better. And it's been healthy, and it's been good, and I, I hate running. I really do. I don't like it. But I'll tell you, what's getting me out there to, to push through it, even in this heat, is I'm feeling so much better. And the laziness and, and, and just the, the temptation to sit at home, like those things are loosening, like the grip is loosening as I'm starting to feel the effects and the results that come from Exercise. In fact, I've been pushing myself just a little bit more each and every day. And I was coming home uh, this last week, and I just I could see my house, and and I had about you know ten seconds of running to do, and I said I'm just going to sprint all out, and I was dying. Like every muscle in my body has been cramping trying to do this thing. Like everything is saying stop running. If I were to be brutally honest, everything in my body is like stop it. But I push through. Why do I do that? Because I don't want to be weak. I don't want to be pathetic. I don't want to be soft. As a believer, there are going to be all kinds of things telling you to stop. What you got to do is you got to keep pushing through. Because that's when we feel better. That's when we experience that life that Jesus gives us. And that takes a choice, friends. Many of you know Amanda Miller, or you at least you know her as our worship pastor. And um, I want you to hear her story, just some of her insights on this struggle that we all feel as Christians as we follow Christ. Take a look at the screen. My name is Amanda, and I'm the worship pastor here. Uh, my story begins about 12 years ago. I was working in a small business, and uh, they played Christian radio. And so I was saved through the ministry of KTIS. And it was at a time in my life where I was really far from the Lord. I was mixed up in all kinds of 
bad things. I was drinking every day, I was doing drugs, I was having sex outside of marriage, I was looking at porn. I mean, I, I had major anger issues. It was bad. My life was really dark and um, I was just really depressed and things were not looking good. One of the areas that I really struggled in, like I mentioned before, uh, when I wasn't a Christian was just anger and that's one of the areas that I really started to see God refine me early on as a Christian. Um, I became a lot more peaceful and um, things didn't bother me like they used to. Um, so it did come as kind of a surprise when uh, the anger started to kind of come up again in, in the last few years. Um, but I think really especially in the last six months, it's been hard for me um, at home, especially with my kids and, and my husband. There have been things that will happen outside of my control and I, I just kind of get set off and I lose my temper, um, whether that's the kids being disobedient or, or you know, people aren't moving fast enough for me. Um, and it's, it's hard to admit that because I, I want to be nice to my family, I want to be nice to my kids, but it's, it's not always easy. The way I battle that sin is just by confessing my sin to my kids and my husband, owning it, um, and also you know, going to the Lord and, and just asking Him for help, asking Him to give me the fruits of the Spirit, that I would be uh, peaceful, that I would be patient, that I would be kind, that I would be gentle with the way that I'm speaking, to just have those scriptures that I can refocus on in those moments where I'm losing my cool. Um, and also just knowing that this is a journey. You know, Pastor Brent shared last week in his message that um, we become a Christian and it's not easy. It's a battle. It's a constant battle. And, you know, we, we're always dealing with something. And I feel like, you know, maybe that anger issue that, that the Lord dealt with me so kindly early on was like anger 101. And now I'm at like anger 102. It's like the next class. Like I have deeper to go and um, there's just more that he, he's wanting to work on. And so um, it can be frustrating, but my hope is in the Lord. And I know that this time, the season of struggle will not be in vain. That, um, that he is working all things for his glory and for my good. And that's where I experience the freedom is in just knowing that I can rest in what Jesus has done. And I still will struggle, but my righteousness does not depend on me being perfect or me living my life to a certain standard. It's in, it's in the truth that Jesus died and lived a perfect life and was resurrected from the dead and you know he, he gives me his righteousness and I stand before God clean and um, you know the promises of God don't fail me and so I just press on and I face another day and I have hope and you know it's not done with me yet. <laughs> And he's not done with you yet either. <laughs> I can relate so much to the things that Amanda said. And, and this morning, I've, I've thrown a lot at you, okay? And we'll dive into some practicals starting next week. But I just want to summarize this morning with four things. First, we all have a choice. We all have a choice. You can make that choice this morning. Who are you going to serve? Who's going to be your master too? Every choice leads to a predictable outcome. You can know it's either going to lead to life or it's going to lead to death. Three, the middle is miserable. 
You're in the middle. Get out of the miserable and make up your mind today. And number four, listen to this. All of us, no matter who we are or what we've done, can begin a new life. Friends, you need to hear this. God loves you. Jesus died for you and gave his life so that you could have his life in you to help you in this thing we call the spiritual journey, the journey of faith. He wants to help you, not as an angry master, but as a loving friend who says, follow me and I will give you life. And so, friends, if you are a Christian this morning, maybe this morning you need to make a recommitment to Christ. Jesus, I've forgotten. I've been trying to live in the middle. And Jesus, I'm going to give it all back to you. you. You are my master. You are the one I will serve. And if you're not a believer, maybe you want to use this morning as an opportunity to cross over. From death to the new life, Jesus offers us all through his death, burial, and resurrection. So here's how we're going to close this morning. I'm going to ask us, could we just stand up? We're going to close with a word of prayer, and then we'll close with a song as well. Jesus, thank you for the life you give us. Thank you for the love you have for sinners like us. Jesus, some of us have lost our way, or we've taken our focus or our eyes off you this morning. I just pray that we'd put them squarely back on you and say, Jesus, we're going to start following you again. We're going to get back up off the dirt and we're going to start following in your footsteps. And others of us, Lord, I know we need to start that relationship with you this morning. We need to walk out of here with a new beginning, becoming that new creation you promise us. And so for those who are out there, I just ask they'd pray the prayer just in their heart, between them and God. Just Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin so that that penalty could be paid out in you so that I could be set free and have the life that comes in your name. Help me now to follow you for the rest of my days and to experience more of that life and that freedom you want for me. I love you. Thank you for what you've done. And we pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen.